We apologize for this brief interruption in the show. As many of you likely know, the Higher Standard Podcast is officially sponsored by Transcend Company. Transcend has been my longtime provider for both testosterone and peptide therapies, but they offer so much more. Whether you're interested in health, wellness, or longevity, it all begins with you getting your blood work done. A lab draw will help you get the numbers and establish your baseline. You can go to transcendcompany.com slash THSP. That's transcendcompany.com slash THSP. Or you can click the link in the show notes on any streaming platform and on YouTube. Fill out your information and one of the representatives will contact you to get your journey started today. Now back to the show. Yeah. I have been watching a casino in the background. Because <laughs> casinos, yeah. So I've had a casino in the background. Great movie. It's a great movie, man. And like... It's a three-hour movie, though. I've literally finished it both times I've, I've, right. I've been Which here. one do you like more, Casino or Goodfellas? Oh, man, that's a toughie. Um, damn. Um, I've seen Casino the most. Yeah. I like them both, man. I don't think I, I, don't think I could pick one between the two that's of them. It's hard. Yeah. I think yeah. the first one I saw was Goodfellas. Yeah, me too. And um, Casino to me just... Both iconic, man. Both iconic both De Niro. Iconic. De Niro, Joe Pesci. Yeah, too good. I can't pick. Although I like the beginning of Goodfellas better than the end. I like the entire movie of Casino. There you go. Yeah. That might be it right there. It's, Casino to me has a better arc. Mm-hmm. Look at you. Yeah. It reaches the fourth wall. It reaches the fourth wall. It's not as drawn out as Goodfellas. Goodfellas has like that extra act kind of ending par- portion of it, you know? Yeah. Or the helicopter scene and mm-hmm. like, you know, it's like, eh. Classic. I didn't need all that. No. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't. They always called us good fellas. Yeah. Ray Liotta, rest in peace, man. What a yeah. what a fucking G. Never yeah. thought that's be confused with Ray Dalio. No, he doesn't have principles. <laughs> 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 well, welcome back to the number one financial literacy podcast in the world, and uh, we also uh, apparently review movies. <laughs> that's what we do here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sitting next to me, my partner in time, the one and only Said Omar. Oh, thank you, man. Sitting next to me is my partner in crime. Chris Nahibi, welcome back to the show, everybody. And not behind the ones and twos is the uh, Thunder Down Under, Arun. More PTO, this guy. More PTO. He's Honestly, on, uh, Mr. PTO. I'm beginning to think that we are the vacation. <laughs> like, he comes here when he's not <laughs> yeah. when he's not working. Yeah, exactly. No, in his defense, he's, got a, he's, he's doing his real job, his day job. Yeah, let's just call it that. Sure. Yeah. Uh-huh. What do you mean? Yeah, that's what he's doing. Uh, he took the PJ up somewhere in Northern California and said, I couldn't make it again. And we're like, all right. <laughs> you know, I mean, you got to do what you got to do, bro. Yeah, exactly. So before we hop into the show, uh, a couple of disclaimers right off the top. Number one, uh, I am really sensitive about the thinness of my hair at the moment. <laughs> who's, who's been making comments? Avery, Avery Andon got at me in the, in the comment section uh, of a post and was like, hey, man, you and me to go to Turkey. Avery, by the way, has got thin hair and he's receding. He's a little bit older than me, but, you know, good-looking dude. Right. I ain't judging. But uh, he's like, you and I need to go to Turkey and get a hair transplant. You're the only guy who knows he's got worse hair than me. And I was like, God damn, bro, I had a transplant. It was a very expensive <laughs> one. <laughs> oh, these are studio lights, bitch. What's your excuse? <laughs> right, exactly. <laughs> I remember there was a point in time when you would handpick the restaurants you'd go to be based on the lighting. Yeah. No overhead lighting. Elevators? Fuck you. <laughs> Get the fuck out I of here. I will take the stairs, bitch. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, you want to go into a convertible? No, 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 no. Yeah, exactly. No, 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 no. I don't got my hat with me. Yeah. So, anyway, I'm not I'm not upset by it that much. Yeah, I'm upset by it. I do a lot of positive feedback off the uh, Jordan Franks episode. 
A lot of people liked it. Really? Yeah. Of the uh, four people who saw it? <laughs> Forget the YouTube, man. People <laughs> listen to it on the podcast. No, the streaming, streaming numbers were pretty good. They were pretty yeah. strong for that. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, you know, look, he gave some valuable insight and perspective into what, like, the real world aspects of a player, particularly when he broke down all players get paid the same and what their financial takeaways were. Oh, when you're coming out of the draft? Yeah. Yeah, it's all, it's all based on the signing bonuses. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the things I, I would never really say to him because, you know, it just sounds a little weird. He was a fucking unit when he was playing, man. Like, he was in incredible fucking shape. I looked up some of those photos. I was like, God damn. Yeah, that could be mistaken, bro. You he he might hear, like, you got a unit. Like, no, no, yeah, I know. That's why I, I chose to refrain. It's one of the fair few moments of self-restraint that I have shown. It was hard for you. With a hot mic. Yeah. yeah. I was like, yo, give me the workout routine, man. Right. And then he told me he had, like, the discipline of a soldier instilled in him from his father. And I was like, well, that's why I'm fat. There you go. Yeah. Well, I mean, so for everyone listening, we had we had enough episodes and enough of a backlog to not have to record tonight. But because the last recording was before the last CPI print and the uh, Fed meeting, the FOMC meeting, mm -hmm. which also included the summary of economic projections, we felt it was needed to come out and address this. Yeah. So um, I'm going to come right out swinging. All right. Look, the FOMC decided to hold rates and uh, not increase them, which was what we predicted. Right. But at the same time, the market lost its fucking mind. I mean, they went nuts. <laughs> they so excited. So excited. And, and, and we said this. We said this months ago. Remember, there's three phases to this whole approach. The first phase is the raising of the rates. The second phase is the holding of the rates, right? But it'll be very unclear as to when it's, that actually declared the second phase, right? And then the third will be eventually when they begin to cut, which will be sometime next year, clearly based on the dot plot that we'll get into. But clearly everyone now firmly believes that, oh, they held again for now, what, the third th third time or fourth time in a row? Mm -hmm. Oh, we're officially in phase two. Well, and Jerome Powell kind of said that we were done with the raising for now and that he expected there could be as many as three rate cuts next right. year. And as soon as he said the word cut... Yeah. He, he could have said anything. Yeah. Cut the lights, cut the real. As soon as he said the word cut, yeah. with a hot mic in front of him, in front of people who were recording and like, you know. Right. It did, the word, the game, gloves are off. Right. The economy was like, YOLO, everybody spend some money, let's I go. Just, I just hate the way, because he's, he's so aware that everyone is hanging on every last word, and he's and he's taking these questions in the post-game press conference, okay? You do know it's not basketball, right? It, yeah, but I'm, just to be clear. We're, we're making it basketball. Okay, just, all right. Yeah. Just, yeah. So he's taking these questions in the post-game press conference, and everyone is is asking him, when are you going to cut? So are you guys going to cut soon? So uh, we've, we've been holding for a while now. So he keeps having to tip... Uh, tap dance and like tiptoe around this conversation, and he f he finally eventually got to the point where he said, the the view of cutting rates is starting to come in sight. Yeah, like it's like come on, man. <laughs> That's like a girl saying, "I feel like I could be committed to you. <laughs> I'm getting more comfortable with the idea. I just need to see more bank statements. Yeah. Do you have a credit <laughs> card statement that I can see? Maybe. Yeah. Exactly. Is you give a reference? Yeah. Is there someone that I can call? Right. Exactly. Yeah. That's what it feels like. I just need to feel like I'm appreciated. Right. And you do that with money. <laughs> so I've got a whole theory on the whole Jerome Powell thing. I really do. And um, it's probably going to be somewhat inflammatory for people. But before I do, I, it's a question that just occurred to me. Okay. okay. And I want you to be honest because, you know, I, sometimes I, 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 I might get a little zany with my theories here. Okay. But how many times do you think Jerome Powell's gone to a restaurant and someone's been like, hey, Hey, Jerome, um, I'm a big fan. Mm. 
love what you're doing, fucking up the economy and everything. And um, <laughs> uh, what do you think about a rate cut? You know? Yeah, exactly. That's got to happen once, right? It has to. Yeah. Come on. I mean, his family members, right? Or somebody did some gangster, well, like walk was... by a table he's at and put scissors on it. Yeah, just some scissors. Just leave scissors there. A knife? Just, just look yeah. at him. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They bring a, they bring a steak knife. And he's hey, like, waiter, take his knife. <laughs> he ain't cutting shit. <laughs> <laughs> this guy doesn't know the first thing about cutting. Yeah, swallow that shit whole, bitch. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly what's going on over here, bro. I mean, think about it. what was Thanksgiving dinner for him like this year. I mean, he's eating stuffing with hands, right? Come on, like, man. He's, he's got to have family members that are looking at him like, bitch, you were uninvited. Get the fuck out. Hey, Uncle Jerome, remember that one time I had a job? I worked at Spotify, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And his niece comes in. Hey, Uncle Jerome, I used to get toys from Hasbro, but nobody works there anymore. Right. You did that. Yeah. Because of you, I'm probably going to have to live in one of these tech towns that, that are going to be built. You heard about this, right? Yeah. No. Oh, you haven't heard about this? A oh. tech town that's going to be built? What is that? Tech town. So like Google, Facebook, all these companies, right, are, are looking to buy a huge plot of land. They already have that. Like, that's and, Menlo Park, bro. Yeah. No, but they're going to build homes for people to live in. So now they're going to not only be in control of your job. You're going to live inside one of their homes, too? Yo, you ever see that show, Severance? No, I haven't. I fucking told you to watch that show. Listen, we're... Why do you not listen to me? We're in season five of Grey's Anatomy. There's like 5,000... Se- Fuck you. <laughs> I know. Like, honestly, I've told you not to watch that bullshit Grey's Anatomy. There's a- watch I- Severance. You will like that shit. I will, yeah. I just need to find... That did not seem fucking genuine at all. I need to find time. I will, yeah. Uh, we need, need an editor. Time. We need an editor. We need an editor. My, Don't my, that shit my, co- my, dude, my, co- my computer can't handle this. You want, you want a fun fact that I can just help you understand? I'm not the asshole here, okay? I want you to know that. Okay. You told Arun. What did I say? Captain PTO. <laughs> okay. To give the hard drive to our editor to test. Yes. Captain PTO ain't here, bro. No, he gave it to him. No, he, the, the editor has it. We're going we're gonna to pick it up from him on Friday. Man. We're going to see. We're going to see. Hey, if, if you guys notice a drop off in quality. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you can send all your emails to Arun at higherstandardpodcast.com. Yeah, that's that's Arun. H-A-R-O-O-N at higherstandardpodcast.com. Yeah, not to be confused with what he calls himself to his neighbors. Hey, my name's Aaron. <laughs> I, wanna, I wish I could be a fly on that wall just watch him interact with people outside of here. You know it's so fake, too. It's so, because he's it's not so himself. Fake. No. Even on the show, people don't understand. He's not a nice guy. No, he's not nice at all. He's so fucking mean to me. <laughs> he's mean to all of us. So mean. Hey, Chris, you're gaining some weight there, huh? <laughs> like, just, just saying hi. And then he's like, hey, I bought you a chicken sandwich. It's fried. <laughs> It's yeah, like, come he's, on, man. bro. He's king sabotage. Oh, dude, he sabotage every day. He loves that shit. He bought fucking fries. I said chicken. I said, literally, dude. Hey, man, just get me the the chicken nuggets, the the unbreaded ones. Right. Just give me those. Yeah, the grilled ones. Yeah. He, somehow they miraculously always come with fries. Yeah, and, and he brought you the mac and cheese. You, he, the you mac got, and cheese. You didn't want the mac I and didn't cheese. Eat, he ate it. Yeah, I know he did. He ate both of them. <laughs> there was he one. Both, no, he ate both. There was <laughs> two. You just didn't see me the second one. There was two, bro. Like I didn't. I don't want to call nobody out. I feel like we're having a classic higher standard garage podcast. Yeah, those are good, man. Those are good. Car fucking turning on and shit when we're sitting there talking. Just like off the cuffs, man. Hearing weird ass sounds, mosquitoes everywhere. Yeah. Remember we used to light the mosquito candle? <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, I forgot about yeah. that. That's right. So the trash cans are four feet to our right. Damn. Yeah. You were sitting on weights? We literally started from trash. <laughs> I was sitting on the way. Bro, I swear to God, my leg fell asleep so bad one time I couldn't even walk. That's why that's I pulled ul- my groin. That's ultimately that's ultimately why you decided we need a studio. No, I I, I felt like we needed a studio because it was so cold and hot in there. We were just sweating our ass. My headphones, the mm-hmm. last time we recorded in there, because it was so hot, 
because it was a hot day and we were in the garage and the car was in there. My wife had got back from some place earlier. It must have been like 100 degrees in there. Yeah. I felt like we were literally Joe Rogan sitting in his sauna because my, my headphones had so much sweat on them afterward. I, I was like squishing out water. <laughs> it was like, <laughs> it was not good. It was bad. It wasn't good for anybody. So let me get back to my theory, okay, before you took me on an alternative route here. I truly believe that's the last FOMC meeting where Jerome Powell came out uh, in November and said, hey, um, you know, we're going to have higher for longer. You know, I don't see any cuts. We're not talking about cuts. He was very, right. as they say, very hawkish. Yeah. Which I don't know why they don't say aggressive. Yeah. Like, why can't we just say aggressive? Yeah, he was negative. He was very negative. Yeah. Very aggressive. That's all that means. Hawkish means he's negative. Yeah, he was trying to be a bully. He was being a bully. Yeah, he was very bullish. Yeah. But it's a much better term. Yeah, but then it can be confusing because it could be bullish. And or bitches. Positive. <laughs> yeah. Bitch-assness. Bitch yeah. So he showed all bulliness, no bitch-assness. Yeah, there you go. In any event, I think the White House said, look, okay, get his ass in our office. And Biden has him come in. Hey, Jerome, man. Um, you know, uh, you uh, political at all? <laughs> you know? You think so, huh? Um... I got a little thing going on next year. It's called an election. Mm. And uh, I would like to do better than the 42% of this country who want me currently back in office at this moment in time. Yeah. I don't need to do a whole lot better. Trump's at about 47%. I just need 5 6%. Mm. You know how I get there, Jerome? Mm. You need to change your fucking song. Yeah. Okay? You give me a lot of ooh-la-la-la Fugees. But why would Jerome Powell need to listen to him? And I need a whole lot of DMX. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, X gonna give it to you. Yeah. <laughs> You've been dying to say that into a microphone. <laughs> it's you know, it's kind of it's kind of my fantasy. Yeah. Uh, and I think honestly that has something. But to why? Do with it. But why would Jerome have to listen to him? Because you know monetary policy is supposed to be separated from fiscal policy. I don't think he has to listen to him. But if you think about it in the context of Jerome Powell, let's say that did happen. There was actually an article on Zero Hedge which suggested that this did happen too. This is. Post me coming up with this ideology, and I haven't read the article yet, so I don't know if there's any facts to substantiate it. Okay. Just somebody happened to mention after I tweeted that there was an article that, that came out. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you listen, if you look at the, kind of the, the, the macro 10,000 foot elevation back down on what happened, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I would argue that, you know, he didn't do anything different, right? No. He didn't, he just came out and changed the way he sounded. Just change a couple of the words. So there's a lot of people out there on on YouTube where they'll literally analyze the statement because there's a statement that the Fed releases, right? And a lot of the vernacular, a lot of the verbiage that's used in that statement is copy and pasted over, and then they modify key terms, right? Mm -hmm. Where, you know, growth is strong versus growth is moderated, right? It's like, so then you can really, like, just focus in on those key terms, and I think he decided to use a little bit more of a positive tone this this time around. Yeah. Well, that positive tone was taken by the market, and the market lost its mind. Mm. We saw the treasuries, most notably, more than anything else, have a pivot. And I took a screenshot today of, of um, and today I was recording this Thursday, December 14th. So it's literally two days afterward. Mm. But when they had the press conference, it was kind of halfway through the day on the 13th. And today is really the first day that we're seeing a full trading day. Uh, community bank stocks rallied hard. Banking sector in general rallied hard. But when I saw uh, this screenshot, or this on CNBC, I took a screenshot of it real quick. And uh, I thought it was pretty indicative. And I don't think the, the day ended here where the market was, but 
it certainly will tell you. So uh, we had the, the bond mar- the bond market, right? We had the two year uh, two year Treasury note at four point three eight eight percent. Okay, the five year Treasury note at three point nine zero three percent. Right. So I mean. 40 basis points above that. Actually, right. it was 50 basis Remember, points. it's supposed to be the other way around. When the two-year is higher than anything like longer than past that, that means there's more concern for the near future than there is for the mm-hmm. you know, long term. The 10-year tre- treasury note, 3.917. So it was above 420. Uh, and then it was above like 414, 415. And then this happened and then dropped, boom, hit, it broke below four. And I know it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's a pretty wild swing for the 10-year treasuries. 10 years should not be swinging as much like that, right? And yeah. I mean that's great for mortgage rates, right? But uh, what that what that could ultimately do to, for home prices, we'll get into a little bit later in the show. Well, it's already swung home uh, mortgage rates down below seven percent. Uh, I think I think people were talking like six point six, six point five is what I, I think. Heard. Uh, the average uh, yesterday was six point nine five. I think it's down to six point six today, which is in line with what we predicted about six point four bottoming out. So that that's not too crazy. But I think people think that this is going to incite. Uh, a whirlwind uh, a pickup of of home selling activity and prices continuing to rise is probably naive and preemptive. It is because I don't see that happening. Eighty, I believe, eighty two percent of homeowners right now that have a mortgage have a mortgage rate of five percent or less. Yeah, so I don't see there being an impetus to sell or to refinance, frankly. But I certainly see more buyers possibly wanting to get in the market right now. Right now is the time I would do it if I were going to mm-hmm. do it in the next year. Right. Who knows what the fuck's going to happen? Everyone's like, oh well, Chris, you know what? Hey, man. Uh, you're gonna see actual rate cuts, and then the, the, the economy is gonna it's gonna it's gonna explode. Right. So let's let's actually talk about why why people wouldn't refinance, right? Because there are some people out there that have we know that have been buying over the course of the last year or so, yeah. right? Um, and typically, what you hear is okay, it's okay, buy now, and then when the rates come down, then you can refinance, right? But you wouldn't want to refinance right now, even when rates have now dropped to. You know, six point six percent. I think you said, or six point four percent, right? Let's just say somewhere between six and a half and seven percent. Yeah, and if you're starting to believe what everyone in the Fed is saying, and when you look at the dot plot of by the Fed that they released in their summary of economic projections, that there's going to be at least three rate cuts by the end of the year, mm. right? Then you, w- why would you refinance now? You'd want to wait for it to to get pushed out even further. No different than why would banks want to lend out their money until they realize they've reached the top. Of the rate cycle. You wouldn't want to refinance your home until you reach the bottom of that rate cycle. Yeah. And let's be honest. I mean, 40% of the homes in the U.S. are, are owned with no mortgage. Goddamn. Right? That's a big-ass number. And you got 35% of the, the, the purchases being done with all cash. Okay? So just those two alone, that, that, that takes a whole lot of real estate off the market right there. Why would, why would they have any interest in, in even being affected? If you were closing all cash... You don't give a shit about the rate. Nope. Okay. If you already own your home in, ca- in cash, mm-hmm. you can refinance and buy another piece of real estate. Why would you do that at all time highs? You would wait. Right. So you're probably not going to do that right now. And then there's the rest of the population. So I don't know that the home market's going to really swing up with activity. And a lot of the real estate agents in some of these markets that have maintained active kind of real estate transactions throughout the last year are going to probably tell you, look, it's, it's not going to get frothier. Right. And again, I'll point to what we said in the last show, 2001, 2007, 2020, all three of these had rallies before they were declared recessions. Mm. Now, we saw the, was it the S&P? Was it at all-time highs would it close at? Uh, was it S&P? Today? 
yesterday. Yesterday, the Dow, the Dow reached thirty-seven thousand. Was it a Dow? The Dow and the S and P was close to five thousand, I believe. Okay, so let me see. Let's uh, just look at that. That's S&P a meteoric rise. Forty-seven hundred. Okay, that's a meteoric rise in just a day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and what I'll tell you is, okay, look, thirteen years artificial interest rate deflation. You've had a, one of the most prolonged periods of economic prosperity in American history. We've had what we thought should have been a recessionary start with uh, January, uh, February, March, Q1, and April, May, June, Q2 of 2022. Mm-hmm. Two successive quarters of negative GDP growth, but there was GDI as well, which wasn't in line according to the White House definition with traditional recessionary economies. And if we haven't been in a recession since then, which we've long believed that we have, you still had unbelievable prosperity, which, okay. To think that we could escape the idea of a recessionary economy and that this is not going to go the other way. Right. It's not only naive, it's just dumb. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But wh- wh- what? who I get worried for are, are all the people out there that we routinely cite on the show, the middle class, right? The number one way they establish their net worth for their families, their intergenerational wealth, mm-hmm. right? And their own personal net worth that sets them up for retirement is buying a home. Okay, rates come down a little bit. Sure, maybe, if you're lucky. If we're lucky, you'll get more supply, right? But that also means more competition, right? And I feel like it's only going to drive home prices up. You know, I hear, I hear talking heads all over, you know, the media talking about how, you know, uh, historically rates at 6% is still good. Like, oh, dude, it's like yeah. 2% below the historical average. Yeah, right? Okay, you're good. Like, yeah. people in the 70s had to deal with this. Yeah, man. From 1975 to 1980, the median home price was somewhere between twenty-five dollars to $75,000. Mm-hmm. Okay, we're talking $400,000 now, and if you're living in a large metropolitan area, it's probably closer to 500000 Yeah. So it's not apples to apples. No. No, it's, uh, it, it's wildly different. When you look at that in relation to inflation, in relation to at least adjusted for inflation, and in relation to income, none of which have kept up. And it's just, it's, it's just incredibly impactful. The, the interesting thing is, is this is why investing in your 401k now and really maximizing your employer match if you have one mm-hmm. is valuable. This is why on top of that, going into low cost index funds, even if that's just where you're starting and you're just beginning, even if it's $50 a month, $100 a month, whatever you can afford, mm-hmm. just a dollar cost average your way into the markets because owning more Stock and equity is an easy way to get into the game. And if you want real estate ownership and you can't afford to buy, buy some real estate investment trusts, some REITs. Yeah. Get, it just gets you in the door to build that and never touch it. Never Leave it there. Continue to do that consistently over time and build something from an equity perspective that you have for a worst case event scenario that you're not able to buy a home. Because whether we like it or not, that dream is so goddamn unaffordable right now. It's It's impossible. One of the things that people ask all the time is, you know, how do you survive a recession? Yeah, we actually got that question on the live tonight. Mm-hmm. There's no easy answer for that mm-hmm. because everybody's impacted differently based on their financial position. But number one, pay down your high yield debt, mm-hmm. right? Your credit card debt, which is probably over 20% interest. Oh, pay yeah. it down. Oh, yeah. Some, some are as high as 30%. Yeah. Pay that down. Okay, if you got if you got a really expensive car payment, you might want to reconsider your car. But if you can't get out of it, fine. That's still longer term debt. Mm-hmm. It's longer term amortizing anyway. Your home debt, your your rent, you got to have a place to live. Okay, fine. But that credit card stuff needs to go first, first and foremost. 
Okay, and there's no sense in saving in a high yield savings account, earning you call it five percent or five and a half percent right now, if you're paying twenty, thirty percent on your credit card. Yes. Pay the credit cards off first, number one. If you cannot have credit card debt going into a recessionary economy and keep from having it, you're already on the right path. Right. Because that is a question that I actually hear and see a lot is if I have high credit card debt, but I also don't have a, a proper emergency savings mm -hmm. plan established, which one should I do first? And I understand you want to feel like you're doing a little bit of both, right? I mean, put a little bit towards your savings and also pay down your debts, right? And hopefully you have something in your in your savings account, at least to hold you over for a month or so or two months, right? But your your first primary course of action should be to tackle that debt. Yeah, and uh, I actually just did a really, really long interview with, I think it was USA Today. God, it's terrible that I don't remember. Um, where we talked about this, and that was specifically the question. Mm. If you had credit card debt and you wanted to save and you didn't have a savings at all, yeah, what should your plan of attack be? And my plan of attack is always going to be the same. Pay off your credit card debt as soon as possible. Yeah, because look, if you were to lose your job, you're not going to be able to pay their credit card debt next month anyways. And people always want like the cheat code. You know, there's only one cheat code that I can really think of. And, you know, I assume most people in this position don't own a home because of what we're at today from an affordability perspective. Yeah. If you own a home, you could refinance. You could look into rolling that debt into a uh, rate and term uh, refinance, something to that effect, but, or some, maybe some cash out to pay off credit card debt. But you can consolidate your debt that way. But I assume most people aren't in that position. What I tell people is there are some promo credit cards that allow you to do debt consolidation, but there are considerations here to think about, which are really, really unfortunate that people don't always see these things. Number one, let's say you've got a Wells Fargo credit card and you've got a Bank of America credit card and you've got a Chase credit card, right? Mm. Generally speaking, if you want to consolidate your debt onto one card and you get one of these promos where they give you like 12 months of, of zero interest, Yes, right? You can transfer all your ba balance transfer credit card. You can transfer all your balances in. Right. It's got to be with a new credit card bank. Mm. So it can't be Wells or Chase or B of A. It might have to be Citibank's credit card offer that you consolidate into. Right. Because Wells isn't going to let you consolidate your card into another card you really, at 0% interest. You really want to make sure that you've thought this through and made sure that you can pay this thing off within that time frame. Or at least make a significant dent. Yeah. Th that, that's the problem. So a lot of people will transfer. will take, let's say, a $20,000 balance, a $10,000 balance, and a $5,000 balance, right? And you got $35,000 there, right? And then you transfer it to a new credit card. Yes. Okay, first of all, you have to get approved for a $35,000 available line of credit with your credit card, your and, balance transfer credit card. Right, during, during this time, it might be a little difficult. But. Then you transfer that in. Mm -hmm. Then you've got 12 months. You generally have a period of time to transfer it in, too, by the way. They'll give you, like, a narrow window of time, like, you know, 60, 90 days, transfer it in, and then you got 12 months IO or something like that. Or it's mm -hmm. No interest, 0% interest, or a low interest rate, right? you got that period of time to pay it off or make a significant dent. But if you don't change your spending habits, what do you wind up with? Right. You wind up with just a lump amount of credit card debt and probably more debt than when you started it. Yeah. And now your payments kick back up and you're right back in the position you were, if not worse. Mm -hmm. So it, it's, a, it's, a big, it's a big thing. And we had a long conversation about it. It'll be interesting to see how the article turns out. But um, yeah, it's, um, we're going to see more and more of that. And someone asked me today, well, Chris, you know, hey, could in theory we see rate cuts and the market gets really, really prosperous and frothy, home values go up, and everything be okay. And I was like, okay, let me, let me just take your theory. Yeah, let's play this out. Are we going to earn more money? No. What do you mean no? I mean, I think right now most companies across the U.S. are settling in on 2% pay increases, if that. Mm -hmm. 
right? So that's not keeping up with inflation currently right now anyways because we, we haven't even touched on it yet on the show, but just as a, as a quick recap, CPI came in, and the Fed was able to actually review this before their, during their meeting. So it, it was it, um, included in their dot plot scenario, okay? Right. Uh, Jerome Powell even addressed it in the post-game press conference. CPI inflation came down, went down from 3.2% to 3.1%. Got really sticky, right? And core inflation that removed uh, food and energy came in at 4% back-to-back months. Mm-hmm. Okay? So that also remained really sticky, right? If you were to ask me reasons why the Fed may not cut in March, that's going to be on the list. Okay? Because wage inflation came in at 5.5%. Just like we talk about inflation in general being their 2% target rate is trying to get inflation down 2%. That goes for wage inflation as well. Yeah. Okay. So it's like, it's not like they want people to get paid more too, because remember wage inflation contributes to overall inflation, mm-hmm. right? So they're not happy that wage inflation came, even though us as consumers during a time like this, where we know credit card debts at an all time high and people need more money to pay down these debts. People need more money to save up for these down payments for to buy these more expensive homes. The sad reality is the wage inflation needs to come down in order for inflation to come down. Okay. So let's play with that. Let, let's keep going. Let's expand this out. Mm. You got consumer discretionary spending, which is pulled back largely because of the surplus savings that people got during the pandemic era. PPP and stimulus has now gone away. It's been depleted. Mm. So we're walking into what seems to be a shifting economy. But the consumer is now spending less because they don't have it. So that means companies are going to make less from at least an income standpoint, right? Wages have not gone up, and you don't believe they're going to go up. You just said that. I don't. And they've got the highest credit card debt aggregate balances in history, over $1 trillion. $1.08 trillion. Last time I checked, I'm sure after Black Friday and everything, it's even higher. So how does the consumer get out of this position? I don't know, man. I genuinely don't. And this is what scares me. We this slide into why, a prosperous economy, they're going to be expected to spend more money to prop up this prosperous economy. So what if they cannot do that? What if they physically cannot do that? Yeah, this is this is the reason why we've been sounding the alarms this whole time. What? It's us? Us, yeah. I don't, we don't, we're not painting out this rosy, and we're not trying to be, you know, we're not fear-mongering here, right? But I don't see a way out of this. You know what scares me more than that? More than that? Yeah. What's that? Your current shoe selection. What the fuck am I looking at tonight? Bro, I know. These were these were the all-weather boots that I wore uh, in Chicago. Okay? The, these Cole Hans. But listen. Those are not boots. Those are like Cole Han dress shoes. No, these are Chucka boots. What? Yeah. And, um. <coughs> yeah, you're choking on the bullshit. That's yeah, no, fine. No, that's what it is. <laughs> choking on the bullshit, stupid Chucka boots. Get the fuck out of here. But then I was doing <clears throat> yeah. property inspections today again. Oh, this is your way of being classy when you do Yeah, it's like, look, 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 no, I'm from the bank. Look. Oh, God. Okay. Um, <laughs> the Italians, they have a, a saying. Yeah. Black shoes are for weddings and for funerals. Very comfortable. And you are not going to a wedding today, my not friend. Not stylish, and they will be getting returned. Yeah. You can't return. Look, they look worn as shit. What do you mean you're going to no, return those? I wore them three times. Oh, you're that guy. Bro, get out of here. I bought enough shoes. I've earned credibility with these guys. Well, you went Nordstrom's? I did. Just so you could return them. No, I'm not That's that guy. That's dirty, bro. I'm not that guy. But you just happen to pick them over Nordstrom's? They, they're the only ones that had them that could get them to me that quick. That's mighty convenient. Bro, don't and you, do this. And you had to wear them to property inspections today? Why? Because 
they're uh, they're comfortable. Ah, uh, uh, they were comfortable. Well, have you ever worn a pair of these Zero Grands? Or uh, yeah, the, the sole of the shoes is good. Yeah, Nikes. But the exterior is shit. Yeah, yeah, dog shit. Yeah, and you bought them. <laughs> yeah, to go to Chicago. I was representing the bank, man. Today? Yes. Okay, well, I got to tell you, as a, as a as a fellow <laughs> bank employee. Yeah, you haven't hooked me up with one of those polos. Bro, I got hooked up with this polo. This wasn't something we made. Come on. Yeah, it was. A vendor made it, and he was, no, he's like, what size are you? I'm like, uh, I'm a. Uh, what? Go uh, ahead. Say that on the mic. <laughs> I'm a, a person who's got problems with my height. Yeah. You have a tall version. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he got me a tall. He said, look, this is a sample, and then I'll probably order some for the bank at some point in time, but this is nice. Oh, really? Yeah. You go budget for that, huh? No. In the future, <laughs> when we're making more money. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and demo it for a year, right? And figure out if it lasts, right? It's so this company called Nike or <laughs> N- Nike's, N- N- yeah, Nike, Nike, yeah, it's, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice little Nike shirt, anyway. Yeah. Right, but so I think back to back to what we're saying. Why I think the Fed won't be cutting rates in March, or why they shouldn't be cutting rates in March, mm-hmm. it'll go along with the rhetoric of higher for longer. Okay, I think that'll be enough to shock the market, like. Oh, wait, shit. They're really not going to cut rates. Everyone was banking on a rate cut by now, right? And that'll send a, a, a shockwave, okay? And you had the jobs report that came out that beat expectations. What was it, the unemployment number again? I, f- I forget. It dropped to 3.7%. See, the problem is when everything starts getting three handles, it fucks me up. <laughs> it's all fucked Everything's up. got a three handle. Yeah, You're yeah. like, three, seven, 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 seven. Yeah, it went, it went down. Remember, it was at 3.9. It went down to 3.7. That's all, right. All everyone needs to know is a healthy... Uh, unemployment rate is somewhere around 5%. Mm-hmm. Okay? So, and the Fed has to tiptoe around that very carefully, too, because part of their dual mandate is to provide maximum employment. They can't come out and be like, we need people to start losing more jobs. Right? That's not, that's a bad look for them. That's what they want. Yeah, but that is what they want because they know they know it'll help bring down inflation. So you have a jobs number that, that beat expectations. You had inflation that was sticky on all fronts. You had wage inflation wildly high, more than double than what they want to get to. And they know that's contributing to inflation, right? Oh, by the way, to pay tribute to Arun. Oh, with the Red Bull. That was good. I know. I practiced. You've been practicing. Yeah, I did it last <laughs> night. I opened like six of them yes, last night while we got over here. <laughs> but, um, and then what concerns me is like, now there's this rosy, optimistic future of the Fed's going to cut rates this year, somewhere between... 75 basis points to maybe, you know, 150 basis points. Okay? And you're like... I don't like when people talk about the, the basis points. Like, why does that matter? Because well, it, then it, it signals how many rate cuts. Yeah, but it, it, that's the problem. Is it is, we took a really unorthodox path to get here. 25, then 50, then 75, and 75, and 75. It was a bell curve. Yeah. Right? We know this. Mm-hmm. What makes us think that... It's not going to be something similar on the way down, or what makes us think that it is going to be something? We have no. This is all uncharted waters. It is, and no, and to your to your point earlier, right, where you said, "Do you anticipate? You know, how do you how do we anticipate people getting out of this mess? Mm-hmm. Right, corporations across the country are going to become less profitable, right? Well, it's gonna it's gonna be rolling. So I think like the financial sector is going to walk back into profits during this time. Right. Assuming credit defaults don't pick up, and I do think there will be a good amount of those, so consumer credit-filled financial companies will probably have more stress than non-consumer ones. Yes. There's the whole commercial real estate sector, specifically, specifically office. Like $580 billion coming due next next year. You know, what, what happens with that when that all comes due? What How does that workout situation look? So 
there's a lot there. And then I think, okay, well, what are the companies that have employees that were hired for the holidays? Retail, mm-hmm. it's going to take a hit. Right. Right. This And for those of you out there who want to believe uh, from the garage days like we do that the recession started in uh, January 1 of 2022 and should have been declared after the two trailing quarters of successive negative GDP growth in June of 2022. Uh, here's a little tidbit of information to consider. Uh, unemployment typically peaks after the end of a declared recession. If unemployment peaks up, let's just say it peaks up to 5% or 6%. Mm-hmm. Inflation goes down to 2%. Okay? That would be indicative of the fact that we've been in a recession this entire time and now we've exited it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. I mean, just using historical data going forward. I mean, right. 400 plus years uh, of data trending, that seems to be the common theme. Mm-hmm. But now we're going to say it's different. It's different this time. It's different this time. Yeah. So with companies becoming less profitable, what worries me about, because, you know, the stock market doesn't really go along with any of this rhetoric, right? Mm-hmm. Clearly, they it's it's got its own mind of its own, right? But if people start to believe, this is why the talking heads preach all this optimism. Because if if consumer sentiment is out there and it's negative, right, and they feel like there's only one way to go from here and it's down, what happens? People start selling. Right. And then companies become less profitable. So then what is what happens on top of that? Their stock values continue to go down and down, which, frankly, the Fed has already talked about. They know that real estate values are overinflated. They know the market is overinflated. So that is kind of what they want to. I mean, I should say kind of that is what they want to happen. Yeah. A correction in these values would to them signal, hey, we are getting the job done. Right. Not that we're failing. Right. Not that we've gone too far. Right. That we are doing what we need to do. Because guess what? If the market has a correction, mm-hmm. more unemployment happens. Yes. Tech profitability. That gets the unemployment number closer to 5%. Mm-hmm. Right? If homes are more affordable, guess what? That solves a big portion of the inflation number, which is going to be sticky from now going forward. Right. So for people to go like, this, this is the part that blows my mind. Okay, so, and, and I'm, and I'm, I was visiting a client during the press conference on the 13th. So, but I saw the news update, something come through my phone and my watch and everything else. And I was watching it pretty closely through the day, but I didn't listen to the press conference and then I got it later on. But it was so obvious by the time I got into the car and I listened to CNBC when I drive or Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan. <laughs> he had a great comedian called Stavros on. This oh, Greek guy. I love this guy. That, hilarious uh i think his uh his is special he, is called fat bastard on netflix yeah it just came out i didn't i never heard him before okay and the rogan episode he sounds like a fucking awesome dude he's not only awesome he's extremely witty and so sharp he's intelligent you can tell like he makes jokes about how stupid he is and how he does stuff like has books on the, on the countertop it looks like he like reads something really sophisticated <laughs> but you open it up and it's not sophisticated at all <laughs> But then he went down like these really interesting, very cerebral paths. You could tell like, there's a lot of intelligence behind that man. Yeah. Uh, and he also likes talking about sex and porn. So, I mean. Because he knows it makes people feel very uncomfortable. What's not to like? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, he's, it's good. But he looks like basically a Greek version of Ron Jeremy. A hundred percent. Great call. As, as he would describe with a much smaller penis. Yes. His words. On Joe Rogan. This is not me stepping out of line. I'm not being graphic. That's just the way he described himself. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah just, that was exactly. Yeah. So in any event, I, I, that's what I've been listening to. So I listen to CNBC. I'm on the, way, I'm on the way back to the office, and I'm listening to all this stuff, and there's so much positivity in the markets. I come back. 
I see the, I think the S&P and the Dow hit really, really high numbers. And I'm going like, fuck, man. This is all not on a rate cut. This is all on just the change in rhetoric from the Fed. Can you imagine what the market's going to do when there's actually a rate cut? And that's this is a, a perfect example as to why Jerome Powell, JP from the hood, has been coming out sounding as negative as he is because he knew, he knew that the second there's any slight bit of optimism in that we've now reached phase two and we're just holding, there's no more, there's no more raising of rates, everyone's going to get excited, right? And that's why he had to keep that level of negativity. Bro, and it's the real estate entrepreneur bros that I get I could not even get on to social media last night. I mean, I did a live, uh, but other, other than the live I did, I, dude, I, couldn't, I couldn't do it. All these guys are like, oh, yeah, real estate market's back, baby. Let's go. And you're like, no, stop. stop. Yeah, please. Like, you guys are literally, this is the definition of counting your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. Is that the phrase? Counting your chickens? Counting the eggs yeah, before yeah. they hatch? Is that right? Okay. Counting your chickens before they hatch. Yeah. Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just, it's my first time speaking the language. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it's like the definition of this. And I'm, these guys are so, like, optimistic mm. that the good times are going to roll. And I'm sitting here going, like, okay, look, man, like, I'm all for being optimistic. But there's a difference between being optimistic and fucking delusional. Right. And everyone's like, yeah, let's go, let's go. And I'm like, dude, he just sounded less serious. Right. He did not say we are going to cut rates in Q1. He said we could see three rate cuts next year. That motherfucker, could, that could be literally the last three months of the year. It could be. You're right. And that's the other thing that people also need to realize is if they do end up cutting, because as of right now, the more pessimistic approach or view is they're only going to cut rates three times next year, okay? Mm. A more positive one will be maybe four, five, six times next year. Okay? ING called six, I think, was their, their cap. but Right. And if it's six, yeah. you're, you're looking at 150 basis points. That'll take us to a Fed funds rate of 4%, okay? Which is wild, okay? Well, incredible. Okay, but here, here, this is the crazy part that no one's actually factoring in. If that's what the Fed does, that means something either has broken and they need to provide some a little bit more relief than they wanted to, or something is on the verge of collapsing and breaking. So this from Yahoo Finance earlier today, article titled, Regional Bank Indices Just Erased All Losses Since the Fall of Silicon Valley Bank. So I want to put that in perspective. I want to frame this. Yeah, okay? that's good. That's good, yeah. I want to give everybody a little bit of thought, okay? During the contagion period that we at least, that's what we call March of 2023. Which was what? What was that contagion period? There was a run on banks which led to the ultimate failure of three banks. Signature Bank, Silicon Valley Bank, and First Republic Bank. Mm. And this was because there was unrealized losses in their treasury securities portfolios. Right. But the reality was that all banks had assets that were now worth less than they were before because the interest rate increases meant that the assets they had in their books were paying less than current market rates. Right. Imagine you bought a house that became was underwater and someone was asking you, I need, I need to get money from you. Mm -hmm. And you're like, well, I can still afford my house. I still have my job. Everything is fine. Yeah. What, what are you doing? And you're like, no, no, I need all my money from you. And you're like, okay, now I'm going to have to lose my house. So it was a problem. And it dragged... Some of these bank stocks down big time. If you're in the business like me, you look at them about how they're trading to tangible book value, right? If you're trading at or below tangible book value, it's very different than you're trading well above it. If you're trading above tangible book value, people see you as a future value to them. They know that your price is going to rise. You're trading below it. They think your price is going to go down. It's very simple. Mm -hmm. It sounds all complicated and financing and shit, but that's all it is, Yeah. right? 
So just food for thought, let's quote the article from Yahoo Finance. Regional bank indices are now back to where they were when a March crisis began. A significant moment from an industry recovering from one of its most challenging years since the 2008 financial crisis. The two major indices that track mid-sized lenders are currently trading above levels last seen in the moments before March 10th fall of Silicon Valley Bank, an event that triggered widespread panic in the banking system. Now, okay, just fun, fun little food for thought. Yeah. This is not because we cut rates. Yes, exactly. This is only because the Fed said, mm, we might cut rates. So correct me if I'm wrong. A lot of the banks out there that were suffering from the same unrealized losses that those three banks uh, went under for, mm -hmm. right? They still have those unrealized losses. All of them. Globally all, systematic important banks, they all have them. They also have them. The only thing the banks have probably changed since that period of time is maybe increase the reserves a little bit, right? Yeah, for risk of loss, they for, might have seen things like commercial real estate or personal credit card loans. Right, but not a whole lot of change, right? Not a whole lot, no. Yeah, so it's like those same problems still kind of exist, and you're like, what the hell's going on, man? So let's go back to the article for a brief moment here. The climb back to pre-Silicon Valley Bank levels is happening because of a dovish, we know bitchish, <laughs> shift at the Federal Reserve, which is hinting that it is done. Hinting, not saying, hinting. Yeah. Hey, Saeed. Uh, it's the wink of the gun. <laughs> you know, I, I might, I might, I might take you on that date. You know, I might do that thing. Yeah. You talked about. If you're lucky. That one time. Yeah. You know, hey, hey. I imagine this is probably the way Jada Pinkett talks to Will. Oh, man. You gotta hey, bring hey, her hey Will. We were having such a hey, good time. Hey, Will. I might do that thing. I might fall out of love with Tupac and into love with you. That's never gonna happen. See, I might. This is this is this is where that that scenario goes out the window. No, no, but it might. <laughs> it might. Just stay around long enough. If your bitch is long enough. <laughs> <laughs> so, which is hinting that it is done raising interest rates after its most aggressive tightening campaign since the 1980s, which I would point out is before Saeed was born. <laughs> On Wednesday, Fed officials say they now expect the central bank to cut rates three times in 2024. Mm. And the market lost its mind. Yeah. <laughs> Practicing that all day for today. Yeah. So that, that was a big, that was a big, um, that was a big shift in the sector. Mm. And it makes sense because a lot of people were investing you know, that are want to invest in these things and get upside potential. They were <laughs> waiting on the sidelines and uh, I get it, but. I would point out the Fed also has a really bad history of getting this right. Oh, yeah. Their, their prediction. <clears throat> Are you okay with you? Like Sorry, yeah. That make no, you you're cry? right. 11 out of the last 14 times we've fallen into a recession when they've had to raise interest rates to fight this off. Yeah. And it, it's, not, uh, it's not what we think it is. So yet another article, CBS News. Uh, economists now predict the U.S. is heading for uh, a soft landing. Here's what that means. Before we get into this, I want to point something out, okay? I just want to be that guy. Okay, be that guy. Okay. How many fucking times have we heard the word soft landing over the course of the last year? I mean, everyone's praying for it at this okay. point. Yeah. Okay. A soft landing. Yeah. As opposed to a hard landing. Am I, am, I, am I wrong in thinking that if we were able to somehow achieve a soft landing, okay? Which I hope, I, I don't, because if there's a hard landing, people will lose their jobs, lose their homes. It'll, it'll be all bad. Okay. <clears throat> you don't think so? No. A hard landing? You don't think people will lose their homes and jobs? Isn't that the definition of a hard landing? <sighs> would you like to die by a thousand cuts or would you like to die by me punching you right in the jugular? 
Me personally? Yeah. Yeah, one shot. Yeah. Yeah. So that so my that's my point to you. Am I wrong for thinking You're always wrong, baby. If we do successfully land a soft landing, mm-hmm. okay? That that's only setting up an even harder landing in the future. Well, and this is where if you go if you buy into my conspiracy theory about the White House and Jerome Powell, mm. right now we're looking more like the nineteen forties economies. I don't know why I squeaked a little bit there. Forgive that. You, you, yeah, I economies. Gave it <laughs> Not the nineteen seventies. But we could certainly face a nineteen seventies like economy if we saw inflation go back up the other way at any point before or after they cut rates. Mm-hmm. That could be a very scary proposition. And now with an election in between, we've always said, even going back two years ago, when we were starting the podcast in the sweat box of my garage, we always said the November 5th, 2024 election was a pinnacle period that could be very problematic if politics got involved. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want are politicians fucking with your money. Let me tell you what happens. Politicians make money. You lose money. Right. That's the way that works. Right. How much is Nancy Pelosi worth? I'll wait. Exactly. She's in a two comma club. <laughs> she two comma. I saw what you did there, by the way, with the thumbnail. <laughs> <laughs> thumbnail was gold, right? That's so good. The two comma club. But that is okay. So <laughs> to, to clickbait, motherfucker. Yeah. To put our uh, our tinfoil hats on or keep them on, I should say. Right. One of the reasons why the Fed may cut rates and why Jerome Powell did go down to Biden's office, right, is that those interest payments for the government. Are getting really expensive, okay? Oh, dude, it was like uh, was it three hundred and something uh, trillion dollars or no billion? Yeah, billion. Well, it's going to be at, at this point at the rate that it's going, it's going to be one point seven trillion dollars a year, which is more than what we spend on our military defense. Yeah, that's a problem. Okay, when when as a country as a whole, we make somewhere between four to tri- four to five trillion. Okay, trillion, trillion, and we spend six trillion, so we're already in the hole. Okay. And you're telling me we're about to walk into times where, how do they make their money? Tax revenue, right? People aren't going to be making as much money. They're going to be paying less taxes. They're not so. They're not going to be making as much money, but yet they have to pay out that much more in interest payments. Biden's looking at them like, Bidenomics, baby, how do you expect me to do this? I need you to start cutting them rates. First of all, Bidenomics is made up expression. Okay, The only person Bullshit. that believes that is Biden. All right. Second, second of all, yeah. to the guy who got at me on YouTube, Complaining that my explanation of Milton Friedman's contributions to income taxes we know oh, it today yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. was wrong. I love it when this shit happens. Cause then I'm I'm not listen, I'm not saying I'm always right. I'm just saying I'm not always wrong. Okay? So <laughs> okay. which is fair. Right. Right? In this particular instance, I have done my homework on Mr. Friedman. I have studied the game. I haven't been born pimping, but I've been pimping for a long time. There you go. Okay. This Milton Friedman game is Strong. The skill, right? You know, I've I've earned this. Okay. So I quote back to him straight from Wikipedia. <laughs> I don't tell him it's a quote. I just sound. I make it sound like it's me. Like I change the words. Like the period of time Milton Friedman in. I said, listen, when Milton Friedman was in office, <laughs> right? But it's just a quote from Wikipedia, right. and he likes to respectfully disagree. Yeah, I love these kind of trolls. Okay, you can respectfully disagree with my ass. Okay, <laughs> if you literally tell me that I'm wrong. Right. And I give you a watered down quote from someplace that has of authority mm-hmm. and you are your response is I disagree. I don't mean to be the bearer of bad news here. Yeah. You're the delusional one. <laughs> okay. Yeah, exactly. Or in layman terms, you don't have a fucking clue what you're talking about. Right. You just feel like I watched a YouTube video on taxes once 
And I know the history. What he so said. So I know more than you. So wait, what he said that Milton Friedman wasn't the one that brought up or created income. He said taxes? the idea of income taxes were around long before him. He didn't invent it, which I never said that he did. Right. I just said that the modern income tax system was designed and put in place by him for wartime efforts. Right. And the government was like, yum, 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 yum. I'm never getting this back. Right. And we've had them ever since. Right. Which is a fact. The, the, the idea of income taxes was around, but he decided it was his idea to implement it for the wartime efforts. And structure it. And structure it. And it was his structure, that which led ultimately to our current income tax structure. Right, yeah. So for him to go like, no, 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 income tax would drive somebody else, Milton Freeman, you're, you're way overstating his involvement. And I'm like, I'm sorry, he wrote a fucking book on the topic. See, that's the problem. The problem, too, with the comment section is I know there's people out there that will watch a video, go through the comment section, be like, oh, someone said he's wrong about that, and they'll just believe it. Oh, dude, I get that all the time. Yeah. Yeah, you only have two people that comments on my videos so every once in a while. You know? <laughs> so, so let me finish my article from CNBC, CBS, CBS News. With inflation cooling and, high, and hiring remaining strong, economists are now venturing that something other than a recession may be around the corner. A so-called soft landing. Okay, why the fuck are we talking about this? Like this, like this is the first time everybody's mentioned it? Yeah. Like this is not new news. No. We've literally been saying the word soft landing for a year and a half. I know because I've been making really immature dick jokes the entire time. We, yeah, we've been calling them softies. Yeah. No more hardies, kids. You get softies only. Let me let me be honest with you. Nobody has fun with a softie. No. Okay? <laughs> softies aren't fun for anybody. Not for anybody. All right? There's no entertainment value there. That's a... <laughs> That's a, 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 quite a turnaround. From earlier this year, economists in February were, there's so many fucking typos in this. They said, forgot, economists in February were, were predicting. Not I, me. I have a feeling like That's it's there. You. No, no, look, look, <laughs> it, it looked right there. It says, were, were. Okay, fuck you. I want you to acknowledge that it's there. It's there. Okay. It's there. <laughs> fuck you. Okay, I'm going to read it just the way it's here, just so I, even though I'm going to sound like an idiot, this is exactly the way it's read. That's uh, quite a turnaround from earlier this year. There's literally two A's there. I don't know why. Economists in February were were predicting that the U.S. was about to tumble into a recession thanks to the Federal Reserve's 11 interest rate hikes since early 2022 and signs that inflation-weary businesses and consumers might be pulling back from spending. No, mm. not might, did. Mm. Did. Did yeah. pull back from spending. Mm -hmm. See, this is why they got to interview me for this shit. <laughs> this okay? is why they need to quote you Whoever more. did this. Yeah, they need to quote you more. Yeah, y'all got fooled. CBS News, holla at your boy. <laughs> That's your boy. Yeah, they, they have not worked with me. So I actually uh, talked to one of the interviewers, uh, one of them, one of their uh, journalists or somebody who was like a freelance for them. Yeah. And it was a long interview. Long. Oh, is that why? He hits me up with an email. And this is nice because most of them, you'll never know. Like you don't even know that they're going to publish. It's rare they'll send you like a link. Be like, hey, we quoted you. Like, you never. That's that. really nice if they do yeah. do that. Yeah. So he sent me a link and I'm like, oh, cool. Read the, I was like, oh, I published your article, blah, 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 based on the conversation that we had. I didn't use your quote though, but thank you for helping. That's nice. Hold on. That's nice. It was nice. Yeah. But it was also like. Wait, do you get paid for the for them quoting you at all? No. Get the fuck out of here. What am I going to get paid for? I don't know. If they, they use your quote and, I mean, you have some notoriety, so it's like, you don't get paid for that? Yeah. That is not the way the world works, bro. Come on, bro. Collaboration. This is the way it works. You're welcome for me talking to you and putting your name in a sentence. You're well, yeah. It's going to get how many clicks? Yeah. No, no one clicks on that. No. No, it's rare that somebody actually, like, links back to you. Yeah. yeah it never happens. You're just like, oh, Chris Hebe with uh, First Foundation Bank said that uh, CDs are at their highest point for the next year, and uh, you should you should get one now. You should get one. <laughs> It's not about you, bro. It's, no, it ain't. It's about them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and that, that's the other problem that, that, that's interesting there. But, um, okay, so 
might be pulling back, it is. Yet so far, the economy has continued to plow ahead. Softy, plow. I don't know, man. Do you really feel you really <laughs> you really feel like the economy's plowing ahead? Not with a softy, no. No. And inflation is retreating faster than some economists had expected. I disagree with that. Okay. We've always thought that it was going to slow its cadence down. Now, I do think that we're closer towards, in the last six months, inflation has averaged closer to 2% than it certainly has to 3%. Mm -hmm. So I think there's some truth to that. Uh, did I think it retreated faster than economists expected? No. I think some economists expected it to last longer. I think some didn't. But do I think that uh, it's all gumdrops and lollipops, you know, come first quarter of next year? No. Not at all. And remember what, what we said. Shelter makes up such a huge component of this inflation figure. For CPI, it makes up somewhere around 34%. For the PCE report, I think it makes up somewhere around 18%. I'm glad you brought this up because the next statement, the next sentence, it's for you. You're welcome. See what I did there? Cerebral. Yeah. Cerebellum. Some types of products are even seeing deflation or a decline in prices compared with a year ago. Mm. You know what's not seeing that? Shelter. Home values. Yeah. yeah. And you know what they're going to need in order to get to that 2% target range? Jesus. Yes, they will need they will need a little bit of Jesus, a little bit of Moses, a little bit of Prophet Muhammad, a little bit of everybody. Okay, but I like what you did there. See what I did. What there? about the Buddhist? The Buddha. The Buddha themselves. Hey, dude, you know there was a um, like a thousand foot long sleeping Buddha in Afghanistan that they found. It was like that was underground. No, oh, you had an article for that. Yeah. You well, sent I, it to me? no, I mean this was I, I read this years ago. And you just just pocketed that for now. Well, you just brought it. You brought Buddhas. Yeah. I'm really okay. You might not know this about me. So I'm just oh, gonna. Okay. I know a lot of things about there you. There are there are some reoccurring themes with my news feed that have really shed some light into myself. Very <laughs> introspective. Yeah. Are you ever fascinated by what comes up in your feed? You're like, damn, they think the, this is no. Me. They see, think this is me. The Instagram one's very carnal, right? It's like, oh my god. Yeah. He clicked on a girl that cooks. He must like titties and chicken. <laughs> <laughs> like it's very it's very carnal. The Instagram one's the devil, right? Yeah. But so. Typically speaking, my Instagram one's a different story, but in my news feed, that's where I feel like you get to know me. Oh, right? okay, okay. There are some reoccurring trends that are stuff that are not financial that come up consistently. Shipwrecks. Shipwrecks? Finding shipwrecks underwater. Oh, because you're so, you were so into uh, James Cameron, right? And, and I don't like, know what it is. Yeah. I'm I'm like knee deep in shipwreck stories and and like just all that shit. Okay. Another one, archaeology. Really? I fucking love archaeology. I did not know that. Yeah, I, I love the study of humanity, particularly uh, Graham. Um, was it Graham Stevens? No, it's um, is it Graham Stevens. Yeah, Graham Stevens. Graham Stevens. Yeah, on YouTube. No, fuck. Yeah, you talking uh, about the Graham first? Hancock? Sorry. There you go. Okay, <laughs> Graham Stevens. Chris, think Hancock and Cox. <laughs> Graham Hancock. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Too easy. Yeah, this is there. Graham Hancock. I, I love like so he's. Not a formally trained archaeologist, but he has obviously a very counter common culture ideology of where humans came from, what humanity looks like. Love that. And uh, he's done some really interesting things. He's got a great Netflix series. Joe Rogan was a, a guest on his show, and he's been on Rogan twice. Oh, okay. Really fascinating take on Is that things. Is that the guy that wrote Sapiens? Uh, no. No? Okay. No. Sorry. All right. Uh, did you not, you want to use the word homo sapiens? Oh, the name of the book was Sapiens. I know, I've read it. I'm just fucking <laughs> <laughs> The Federal Reserve sounded cautiously optimistic on Wednesday with Chair Jerome Powell saying he was, 
quote, pleased with the progress, end quote. Mm. I'm glad somebody's finally pleased him. In the battle against inflation and the Fed's goal of keeping full employment. Mm. So in order for the Fed to reach their target inflation rate of 2%, and why you should care about that is because when they do, then they can bring rates back down and your credit card bills will be uh, cheaper. Your The company you work for will be able to manage their debts better. Maybe you'll be able to afford a home, right, <laughs> in a decent area. Um, they're going to need home prices to come down in order to hit their 2% target range. From the beginning, Chris, you remember that I said this. They're going to jump off their 2% target rate. I said you did it, say that. I said that from the yeah. because you know why? I don't think they're ever going to hit it. Ever? I mean, not any time in the next decade. Unless home values come down, they're not. And what's going to happen when rates get cut, when the the 10-year we're already seeing, you said mortgage rates at 6.4%, right? Mortgage applications right now are coming in hot. Let Oh, my God. Can you imagine what's going to happen if we hit a five-handle? For mortgage rates? Because, look, <laughs> Chicago Mercantile Exchange, okay, they haven't missed, just like uh, Bloomberg's uh, world interest rate probability. The, these, are, these are the indexes that indices that actually project what's going to happen with the Fed funds rate, okay? They haven't missed yet. They're predicting 4% Fed funds rate by the end of next year. Mm. If a Fed funds rate is at 4%, what does that mean for the 10-year? No, no, no. Common misconception. I know, but it, it, it could have some correlation. It, slight, but here's the problem. The Fed funds has moved very, very cyclical and in, in, along with mortgage rates in the treasury, the treasuries right now. Mm -hmm. That is not necessarily, they're not that connected. The treasuries and mortgage rates, absolutely, but there is a disconnect right now in the treasury market, and it's created a yield curve inversion. Do not overlook that. Right, but if the Fed funds rate is 4%, right? That's the that's the amount of that's how much it costs banks to borrow money, mm -hmm. right? From the Fed and from and from each other. Okay? Okay. Could you not see a world where mortgage rates could so, have a five handle? No. no. Really? Okay. I, I don't see that. No. Okay. Well, if if mortgage rates even have a, a low six handle, Okay, we're already at 6.4%. If, if, if we get mortgage rates back to a five-handle, yeah. here, here's a prediction for you. You're going to have to go to a much longer mortgage amortization. Otherwise, you're just you're going to freeze out the, the home market. You're going to fucking lock it up. Because, yeah, because the value is just going to shoot up, right? Yeah, the value is going to shoot up. It's going to become so unaffordable. It, it, it's just it's an affordability issue like we mm -hmm. never will ever, I mean, be able to dig ourselves out of. I mean, you'd have to have like a 50-year mortgage or 100-year right. mortgage or some shit to make sense of it. Right now, think about it. We're now hearing a common conversation is that it's cheaper to rent than it is to buy. Why would I buy? 52% cheaper. It's $1,000 a month on average cheaper to rent than it is to buy. Yeah. $1,000, right? So it, it's, it, it, it doesn't make sense for people to go out there and buy a home right now because everyone's just sitting around waiting for values to come down. Well, according to the Wall Street Journal, okay, Reputable source. Reputable source. Only one problem. Not a reputable person. <laughs> Janet Yellen on why she predicts a soft landing for the U.S. economy. The U.S. Treasury Secretary acknowledged such an outcome would be rare, but says the data are clearly pointing in that direction. Mm. That's like Jim Cramer saying it's going to be okay. Yeah. It's not going to be okay. It's not. It's not. 
It's been a matter of a debate among economists for a while. Can the U.S. economy achieve a so-called soft landing with inflation falling back to pre-pandemic levels without a deep economic slowdown? Deep economic slowdown? You can't get a deep slowdown. Mm-mm. Can't be deep with a softy. Can't be. Can't be. <laughs> you know? U.S. Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen, a former chair of the Federal Reserve, is confident it can. She sat down with the Wall Street Journal because she can't stand up. Economist reporter Nick Timararos. Timararos, that's how it's spelled. At the Wall Street Journal CEO Council Summit in Washington to explain her views on that and more. Wall Street Journal, question number one. Mm. You ready? Yeah, hit me with it. Inflation has been much better behaved in the second half of the year. Headline inflation is down to 3.1% in November from 9.1% in June of last year. Core prices rose 0.3% last month from October and 3.5% annualized rate. Mm-hmm. Is inflation vanquished? But here's the problem with that, Mrs. Yellen. Mm. Um, the Fed likes to look at core inflation that removes food and energy. Now that was Wall Street Journal asking her. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm going to be her and I respond. Okay. It has certainly seemed meaningful <laughs> in the come down. We can make fun of her, though, right? Because she's, she's a villain. This is not based on race or, race or ethnicity. It's based on age. Yes. We can make fun of her age. Yeah. And I see no reason on the path that we're currently on why inflation gradually can't decline to levels that are consistent with the Fed's mandates and targets. I know I was there when they were put in place. <laughs> part wasn't. I have a feeling that last part wasn't in there. Is there? Uh, Supply chain issues that resulted from the pandemic and mismatches and disruption in the labor markets both seem to be healing. As that happened, inflation has moved down. The labor market. (laughs) Come on, man. While it remains very strong, is cooling. Some at the job openings come down. The intensity of hiring has diminished some. Job openings did come down. I noticed that. I did notice that. <sighs> around around 8 million job openings, right? Like 8.5 million, I think it is. Remember, for a long time, we were hovering at that 10 million mark, which was like two jobs for every unemployed person. Basically, she goes on to say that I personally don't see any good reason to think that the last mile is going to be especially difficult. The last, oh, really? That's wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm not making this shit up, kids. That's real. I disagree. I mean, I agree with your disagree. <laughs> there you go. I agree to disagree, if you will. Right. I don't know. And I mean, the only thing that I, I, I fall back on is something needs to happen for people in order to be able to buy a home. Because I don't, I, I feel like I'm living with like this, uh, this, I have this weird feeling of guilt because of the show that we do. Right. This ought to be good. Yeah. And like how, I got lucky with when I purchased my home. It wasn't because I timed it, but I feel for the people that I have friends that are will, are gonna want to buy a home soon. Yeah, because they're starting to you know create their families, you know, and I, I worry for them because I think the median age for people now who are like buying a home is thirty six years old. A decade ago, that was thirty years old. Mm. Okay, and you're like, man, that could easily be me, you know, and. I feel bad for the people that are in this position because if I was in their shoes, I wouldn't be buying right now. No way. No. I couldn't afford to buy right now. No. If I just started? No way. No way. You know? And so it it makes me feel – I feel like – and it sucks because I know the path that it's going to take in order to get there means there's going to be a lot of carnage. 
a lot. But it needs to happen in order for people to fulfill that American dream, if you will. Well, life, liberty, pursuit of happiness, pursuit of happiness really meant, uh, you know, ownership of property. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I, I don't know that you get there. And I think that the, I am more afraid of a soft landing than I am of a hard one. Mm. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm legitimately more afraid of a longer, a soft landing means my son may never have the same opportunity to buy a home the way that I did. <laughs> Especially in the state of California. A soft landing means that a, a huge demographic of the population will be priced out of the markets. You need to have a correction. And Grant Cardone put out an article today saying that 2024 will be the, you know, the biggest housing boom of, of all time. And I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we just had one of the most prosperous 14-year periods of all time, and now you want the biggest housing boom of all time. When do you perceive to see the ebb and flow, the other side of this. When do you see the correction then? Mm -hmm. Oh, the correction will be minor. It's like, dude, you cannot go down this path. And I don't want to be like Larry Summers, the constantly negative guy, you know, but I'm just saying like, you just can't, you cannot be this naive. Okay. Right. Life is not always gumdrops and lollipops. And I say this knowing full well, my life personally Mm -hmm. has been a series of increases in positive things. I'm due for an L. Like, I know that, but I'm not naive to it. Mm-hmm. I know those tough times will come for me, too. Yeah. Because though that's just part of life. You don't always win. And anybody who says that is full of shit. Yeah. The economy is no different. Yeah. You look like you're right. You're ready to tap out. You're tapping. No, because I'm, think, tapping, I'm, think, you know, I'm thinking about a topic that I know is um, it's, it's near and dear to your heart. And it's near oh. and dear to my heart, too. Okay, what's that? Okay, we're talking about California. We're talking about people buying homes in California, right? right. We're talking about our kids especially, Uh okay? I think I brought it up on an episode not too long ago that they actually track um, when people buy their home, how far they move from the previous spot. Oh, that's getting farther away. On average, right? Because because they have to move further and further away in less desirable areas, Mm -hmm. right, that are cheaper so that they can, and that's what they can afford. Yeah. Right? So I think that mileage is somewhere around 50 miles. It used to be 15 miles away mm-hmm. for like three years in a row, and then it jumped to 50, okay? And now I'm thinking about this whole work-from-home situation mm-hmm. and how corp- and corporations are demanding. You know, they now have the, the power, the leverage, to force people back into the office. And if you're lucky, your company has adopted maybe a hybrid-type situation, okay? But there's companies out there that are demanding five days a week, right? So what happens to those people? that now have to move further and further away. It's almost like not only are you forced to move out of the state, but like you need to go find a different employer somewhere else. If you're, if you're being forced to come back into the office Yeah. and like, and that's just, that's really shitty for a lot of people that, you know, put in a lot of time, you know, towards their companies. I get it. I get it. But I'll leave you with, with a thought that, you know, doesn't really turn the frown upside down, but, we talked about it in the last show, um, the top 1% of earners in the country uh, own 50% of the private businesses in the country. The private businesses? Private business. 50% of the private businesses in the country. Wow. That means if you own a private business, start a business for yourself, you are more likely to be in the 1% of income earners. Mm. 
which actually top one percent. It's not. It's not as high as most people think. So if you find yourself in a situation like that, and it's also uh, one of the tips I gave somebody from a personal finance perspective recently on another uh, interview I did, uh, was having a five to nine where you're working outside of your traditional business hours. That's something that you're passionate about because you'll do it even though you're after hours and you're tired, like this podcast for us. Yes. That turning into a business may be your best path towards true wealth. Not to to, to shit on W2 worlds or not to shit on, on working for somebody else. It's all well and good. But that in and of itself, which used to be enough to get the American dream, is becoming less and less probable of getting you the things that you need from an affordability standpoint. I hate to say it, but most of America will need two jobs. Yeah, man. It's true. So, and then that, that's just, that's how you're going to get to that top 1%. Yeah. If that's what you want. So, or to, or in, just in a position to be able to afford a home. Forget, forget the top 1%. Yeah. Well, yeah. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean, unless you have a windfall of money, I mean, there's a lot of uh, the next older generation that, that's passing away, and a lot of that money is getting passed down, and those homes that are, you know, 40% owned in cash. Um, what does it do? What does it do to the country as a whole? You think about it like if people aren't, you know, typically what people try to do anyways is um, not start a family. It was the case for me. I didn't want to start a family until I had a home. Bro, I have often considered if the only reason that my wife and I don't have a second child is because we don't have like the opportunity to buy a bigger home right now. Right. You know, so it's keeping people from moving on with their lives. Yeah. Right. And actually creating the life that they've always envisioned for themselves but they're strapped. I, I disagree with Janet Yellen, and I've disagreed with her on many occasions, so this is not like a rare thing for me. Right. Um, I did think that was a very thorough reenactment, though. Solid. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. <laughs> who could do that better? Robin Williams? God bless his soul? God bless his soul. Rest in peace, bro. You and Charlie Munger. Yeah. Homeless. Damn. They up there right now having a burrito. I hope so. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you, you always go to the burrito. <laughs> I, I There is no... Better food. A burrito is it's clean. A burrito is perfect. It's clean. It's got everything in it. You ask for double meat. You know what? For all of you listening right now, you're thinking this show hasn't provided me jack shit for value. Let me provide you some value. Go for it. Let's go. No matter where you are in the world, mm -hmm. okay? I am going to give you a fucking phenomenal business idea right now, okay? The problem with every single fucking restaurant around the world is they don't deviate from the cultural norms. And they require you to use things, stupid, outdated things like utensils. I don't want a fucking fork, man. Hate them, man. I don't need that shit. Yeah. But sometimes I still want to be classy. Okay. Right? Yeah. I would like to have steak and potatoes, yes. steak and mac and cheese, but I'm going to go. Right. Wrap that bitch in a burrito. Easy. Easy. But let's just not stop there. Sometimes I want Chinese food, orange chicken. Okay? I see where this is going. Wrap that bitch in a burrito. God damn, that sounds good. You need to have a burrito place yes. that functions like an all-you-can-eat buffet of different selections. You make custom, different cultural-inspired burritos. Love this. Right? Yeah. I want a chicken tikka masala burrito, brother. <laughs> you know, this is funny. One time... 
One time we went to a Korean barbecue with like... I want a Korean barbecue burrito. That's what I'm trying to... Tell me that doesn't sound good. Amazing. Why do I got to stick to the rice paper, With radishes inside of it? Oh, or the radish paper. Shit. I'm a radish paper guy. I don't like the rice paper. I like the radish paper, personally. You too? Yeah, of course. Radishes are fire. The texture is way better. Way better. I want that. I want that. Why are they keeping that from us? I want a bim-bim-bop burrito. (laughs) I don't even know what that is. I want it too, though. (laughs) It's got the egg in it. Okay. (laughs) Your Korean is is not so good. Hajima! I was in Koreatown today. Were you really? Yeah. Yeah. I was looking for, <laughs> for Ben Baller? <laughs> no, I was. I don't know. Is, is he there? Yeah. Well, he used to be. Okay. He's a Korean lead in Liam Neeson, bro. Of course he's in there. Rolling around <laughs> on the K Town Destroyer. No, I was out there doing property inspections. <laughs> he's probably on a golf course, bro. You don't give a fuck about Koreatown anymore. I want to play golf with Ben Baller. No, you don't. I said, why? He's good. I know. No, you don't. Why? He's really good. Yeah. No, he's he's pretty good. I mean, don't say he's pretty good. He's, he's good. I can't, I can't give him that. What do you mean? Because I'll never hear the end of it. <laughs> Bro, you know how hard it is to get him to listen to a podcast. Yes, come on, we gotta have him on. He won't come on. Why? He don't want to do that. He wants that. No, he don't want to do that. Come on, it'll be fun. He don't want to do that. We'll go to him. You definitely don't want that. Why? Mm -mm. Okay. Yeah, President Vito. You don't want to do that. (laughs) Yeah. All right. You got anything? We're just gonna abruptly end right there. No, no, no. I thought we were going to go on. We can keep going. I wanted a local mocha burrito. A local mocha. Oh, so this is what I was going to say. We went to Korean barbecue. <laughs> we went to a it's local. Like I hit the reboot button. <laughs> <laughs> we went to Korean barbecue with all of my wife's family one time, like grandma included, right? That's not good. Oh, it was great. It was amazing. We had like six tables, okay? And uh, out of nowhere, grandma pulls out of her purse like some pita bread. Just like. The best. Bro, she and she put it on top of the grill, on top of the meat. I was like, you're a, and when I saw it, light bulb went on, I was like, you're a genius. Yeah, why, why, why haven't why you done I, before? I looked at how I was like, why haven't you done this before? This is amazing. Did she give you the head nod too? Bacham. <laughs> head nod is not my culture, bro. Bro, <laughs> I tell you right now, like I've I've been like taking shots at people in their own cultural languages recently. <laughs> Like it's a Jedi mind fuck when <laughs> they're more welcoming of it. They accept it because it's like, oh, you took the time to I learn. Kore- I had a Korean dude like say something the other day, and I was like, Hajima, which means like, shut up. <laughs> he looked at me like, what the fuck? I had a Romanian guy. I was like, oh, I'm Romanian. I, There's like, this guy. On I called him a pimp, bro. What I forget what it is. So that, remember, I'm new. I'm new to Instagram. I'm new to social media. There's this guy out of nowhere when I first got on Instagram. And I'm like trying to figure everything out. And I, I thought, oh, this is the reels button. It's like last week. Yeah, it's like last week. It's a reel. I click reels and I'm like learning. I'm swiping. I'm like, oh, okay. This it's is very fun. complicated when you first get into it. I'm like, uh, really intimidating. I don't want to press anything because yeah. I'm like, am I about to go live? Yeah. Is my face going to be on this? <laughs> yeah. So then I hit the reels button. I'm just swiping through. And one of the first accounts I followed after like the comedians that I followed right away mm-hmm. was, I don't even know. I still don't even know his name, but I follow him. It's this Korean guy that gives you the Korean word of the day. Oh yeah, I, yeah, I, yeah, I love this guy because it's always like that he's, got, I unfollowed him. He got old. Did he? Yeah, I, I love it because he'll he'll say the Korean word of the day and it always sounds and he, he it takes sounds super time. Korean. Yeah, super Korean, and he's 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 really like enthusiastic about yeah. it. It feels like it's educational, but it always turns out to be like shut the fuck up. Shut the fuck up. And he does like so serious too. Yeah, and then he goes. It stands for shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, yeah. Wait, what? What is like, that? Make me the racist like, or you the yeah, racist? So if I'm I had, if I had more Korean friends, I would totally listen and cite this more yeah, often. Yeah, there's and then I've, I've been following around my my, my mother in law and whenever we go to visit her. Oh uh, yeah. And she, every time she speaks Tagalog. Yeah. Which you know Filipino. Right. Um, I'll try to say the words, and my wife is so used to me making fun of motherfuckers. <laughs> my wife's like, stop. 
And I'm like, she no, thinks- I'm just trying to learn the language. Right. And I'm legitimately trying to learn the language. My wife can't divorce herself yeah. from the idea that I'm fucking with people constantly. I remember when you went to Japan, you like you were studying like Japanese for some time. Oh, yeah. Sumimasen. Ego ga wakarimasu ka? Yeah, look at you. Ah. Was well, so when you were out there when you were, when you were going into or people were like wait what the hell or so I didn't really get put to the test until we went out drinking in Harajuku right mm-hmm. and my wife and I were on the train no we we were coming from someplace else and we stopped in Harajuku we were on the train my wife had to pee mm. we drank our asses off a bunch of whiskey and you know it's Japan so everyone's proper it's like a rainy night and um, proper and very clean right very clean right and it's and you know so we stop in Harajuku my wife darts off the train and there's these two security guards like being drunk in public there's a problem okay okay we went to some underground restaurant um i think we were originally uh at shinjuku crossing and then we somehow wound up in in harajuku but we were drinking all night long at this restaurant underground it was fucking wild we had a great time and uh danny shout out to danny he's in the he listens he listens to the show he was actually living there at the time and uh he's living he's living back in the u.s now he listens to the show all the time but danny took us around had we had a, he went out with him had a great time went out got drinks afterward that's cool and he showed i mean it was a fucking blast he was a stud and um you know we go and get some drinks you, you know some wife had to be darts off hops the rail in front of two police officers that are japanese oh no and i find myself in a position like okay fuck now i gotta act sober Speak a language I don't know to some dude. So I walk up to him, and I'm, trying, I'm pacing myself because I'm a big motherfucker, right? And yeah. I know this. Yeah. You He's want, already got his hand on his waist. You like, want them to feel like you're attacking them or something. Yeah. Like, yeah. So I'm like, I'm walking up. Sumimasen. Excuse me. Yeah. Do you speak English? Looks at me and goes. Ie? <laughs> what does that mean? Yes? No. It means like, what? Oh. And uh, I go, uh, Sumimasen. Nihongo ga wakarimasu? And he goes, Did you just ask me if I speak Japanese? I'm like, Why are we doing this? <laughs> He's like, I'm a, I'm a police officer in Japan, dog. What do you think this is? And I'm like, If you can speak English, why did you do that? And he's like, You asked me if I can speak English. Yeah. And I said, no. <laughs> it was so weird. So how'd you get out of it? He was so nice, dude. He wanted me to be real cool. Really? He, oh, okay. he, he's like, the bathroom's over there on the right. Oh. He's like, I assume she found it by now. Yeah. Uh, he okay. was cool. Yeah. And then I came back, and um, and he was he was like, you guys need to get home. I'm like, please, God, I need to get back to, right. <laughs> I need to, get back to our hotel. Man. We stayed in Ginzo. It was great. That, that's one place I definitely, that's a bucket list. Um, we went there before they moved uh, Skoogie Market, to Skoogie, uh, the fish market outside the city. It used to be, so uh, Ginza is like their Rodeo. Okay. Uh, really high-end stores, really nice place, great shopping. But the fish market was there long before all that became like a high-end area next to the water. All right. So they just moved it outside. Well, not recently. That was a, we were there the last year. It was actually That was there. like a big tourist attraction <clears throat> or what? Uh, yeah, the fish market's a huge tourist attraction. You get up super early in the morning, you get... They bring the tuna from the water. You can literally eat tuna fresh off this big ass fish. Damn. In the market, it's it's a whole thing. Wow. So, all right. Well, <sighs> I don't even know how long we've been going for. I do. How long? Uh, I'm testing you. A little over an hour and ten minutes. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Cool. Yeah, I've been keeping track of time. I just didn't want you to. I wanted you to get lost in it. I was lost in it. I want to see if we can go full Rogan for three hours. We could. We could. It just might go off the rails a little bit. 
Oh, but the softy, hearty Janet Yellen impression wasn't wasn't off the rails. No. Okay. We we need to provide people like maybe one day. One day, if we ever decide to get crazy and open up a like a Patreon account where we could let loose a little bit. Jesus Christ. Where you got it's behind a paywall. It's gonna be so bad. It'll be fingers and belly buttons and shit. Like, <laughs> it's just not a good idea. I don't know. It might be. I don't know that you want me unrestrained. I do. It would be so bad. Yeah. It, it, so bad. I think it would be great. Arun, what do you think? Say something if you don't want us to do it. All right. I guess we're doing it. I guess it's going <laughs> to have to happen someday in the future. Yeah. By the way, to a podcast listeners, whether that's on Apple or Spotify, please head over and leave us an honest five-star review. really helps out the show. And for our YouTube watchers and listeners, please make sure you subscribe, hit that like button, ring that notification bell. Make sure you do all the moist, goody-good stuff. That sounds about right. Sounds about right. You do all that shit. Yeah. You got anything else? Nope. All right. Good night, everybody. Bye. Mm-hmm.